0: Wholesaling has been so misunderstood in the world of real estate agents because it's the lowest barrier to entry, and it's usually a starting point for many investors. So that's where they come into the whole game. And so that it lends itself to a lot of unsophisticated people learning off of YouTube, not really understanding what to do, getting things wrong, you know, disappointing sellers. You know, it's the dishonesty and it's the lack of understanding and education from the people being involved that's creating the misunderstanding, not the business model itself. And that's what I'm trying to bridge the gap with.
1: Welcome back to the Light It Up podcast. If you're new to this channel and you want to know everything about making money in real estate, selling, sales skills, building your business, or investing, then subscribe below. Tap the bell for notifications so you can be the first to know what makes our great guests so successful. Yep. And we get emails and calls every day from people just like you. So whether you're new in the business or looking to grow, reach out. We're happy to help. All right. we're super excited about today's guest. We have Jamail Damji joining us from uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona phoenix yes sir all right phoenix i took yes i took a shot at the hot. city there i, I knew you're in arizona <laughs> uh,
0: I, I would not live in another city in arizona so <laughs> it's, it's phoenix or nothing
1: nailed it all right jamil so we've been having our guests give a brief intro on themselves and and it's 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 uh done well for us so far why don't you give a brief intro
0: happy to guys so uh my name is jamil damji i've been in real estate investing uh for 23 years now i've Started as a wholesaler, I am still a wholesaler. However, I am also fixing and flipping, doing buy and hold, uh, midterm rentals. I, you know, I, I do all of that for wealth preservation as well as cash flow. In addition to that, I run the, in my opinion, one of the most successful wholesale operations in the country. Key Glee. We are franchising over a hundred markets across the United States. And uh, we've done all of that by building a business based on relationships. So unlike a lot of wholesalers who you know, spend a lot of money on direct-to-seller marketing where they'll cold call, send direct mail, put out bandit signs, pay-per-click, there's a host of different modalities to generate leads. Our primary modality is relationships with real estate agents. And it has served us in an incredible way because what we allow is we partner with the realtor partners that we work with in a way that they can now provide the iBuyer I solution to their client. Mm. You know, a lot of these iBuyers are providing a cash solution for, or an easy, convenient solution for a house that's not financeable or possibly in distressed condition. Uh, you know, just there's a variety of reasons why someone would choose speed and convenience over, you know, trying to get maximum dollar from the retail market. Condition has a lot to do with that. And so we provide an option for real estate professionals to say, hey, look, you know, you might want to decide to sell this quick for cash. You might want to put some money into the house and renovate it and try to explore getting more money from the house for the from the house than than what you would get just selling it as is. So the agents are giving proper options to their client. And now you get an educated decision. I think as a fiduciary, as a real estate agent, it's your duty to provide a host of different solutions for your client. And then you got to let them decide because you never want to put your mind into the mind of somebody else. I, I, I love to use this analogy of you know, how many of us have traded in a vehicle? I've traded in every one of my cars. I know for a fact that when I'm giving my vehicle to the dealership, that I'm not getting top dollar for it. I could go to Craigslist, I could list it myself, I could get lowballed all day, and eventually I'm going to find that guy who's going to come and pay me what I was hoping to get close to Kelly Blue Book. Yeah. I go trade my car into the car dealership, I'm not getting Kelly Blue Book, I'm not getting anywhere near that. But what I am getting is convenience, and I'm going to leave with a new car, and I'm going to leave my old car behind, right? That's, that's what we understand. And that's what we provide. It's the option of a cash, convenient solution. It's it it works and is a good solution for some people, and for some it's not. And so you know, the entirety of my business model is the efficacy of providing options. And because we are just one sliver of an option, you know, when you do that, compounded over dozens and dozens of markets and dozens of dozens of deals, yeah. uh, you build a pretty lucrative situation.
2: I love that. It's uh, the analogy we always use is uh, it's like selling your car at an auction. You're going to get 80% 80 cents on the dollar, but you're not going to have to worry about the transmission. Is that convenience worth it for well, you or?
0: The other part is I, I don't think we're giving 80 or 70 cents on the dollar because I, I like to you know understand this concept of as is value versus after repair value. Mm-hmm. After repair value, a house comes to me and it's, you know, like my house, beautiful, coarse counters, you know, uh, gorgeous floors. Everything's been remodeled in the property. There's no need for a single penny of investment. Okay, then if I offer you 80 or 70 cents on the dollar for that, that's 80 or 70 cents on the dollar. But when I'm buying something that needs 100,000, 50,000, $70,000 in order to reach that value, which means that I'm taking risk, I'm paying money on leverage. I'm also having to uh, pay selling costs and all of these other expenses that compound. It's not 70 cents on the dollar. It's as is value versus after repair value. And I think that's where the education part, where a lot of real estate professionals get the misnomer of like, oh, a wholesaler is going to lowball. No, they don't. I get my profit from my buyer who I'm taking a portion of their future potential. I'm not taking equity from your seller. Mm -hmm. I look at what the highest and best use of this property is. I match that with the right... Investor to go vertical on it, and I say, look, you have an opportunity. Once you make an investment, take a financial risk to make fifty or sixty thousand bucks. I'm going to take ten of that for you to be able to get this opportunity. Interested? Yeah, that's what we do.
2: Yeah, no, you 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 said it very well. the The way that I was coached on it is like you always want to be able to give the seller options and educated options in terms of what they what they could do. There's the convenience 100%. factor of it, and it's not going to be what the market value will be, but then the market value will be different because you never know if it's going to get renegotiated inspection if it will appraise or if there's going to be any issues through that process right
1: buyer can't get their loan whatever it may be yeah
2: because that kind of buyer that's going to buy that kind of distressed asset for their own personal use is going to be a specific kind of person if it's not going to be an investor Um, of course so that's we'll dive into that let's start off with right lightning round all right
1: So, Jamil, tell us what's the best advice you've ever received?
0: Oh, you are exactly where you're supposed to be.
1: Who told expand, you that? expand on that a little bit. And who told you that? Well,
0: I think I learned that from uh, a mentor of mine named Matthew Ferry. I I I, Matthew. I co- I've coached with him in the past. He's a, you know, the Ferry family are real estate royalty, in my opinion. Mike and Tom have, have been coaches, and my, Matthew was a part of that organization for many years. He's then now split off doing his own mindset coaching. And I coached with Matthew for a long time. And, you know, this, concept of regret or this concept of, you know, looking at the past and saying, I wish I had and then, you know, possibly looking at the future and saying, I don't know if I can or the anxiety of what's going to happen if, you know, these are dangerous situations to allow yourself to be in because you're time traveling, you're, you're living in things that don't exist, either in the past or in the future. And what I understood from Matthew was that, look, God has presented me with many catalysts in life. Some of those are very positive and some of them can be hurtful and painful, but they're catalysts nonetheless. And what I understand from chemistry when I had, you know, took science back in the day, was catalysts are what speed up a reaction. They speed up a transformation of one thing to another. And so I look at every situation in my life, either positive or negative, as an opportunity to catalyze my transformation to the next version of who I'm gonna be. And so I can't do that unless I can accept fully who I am right now in this moment with what I have to deal with and what I have to work with, whatever those circumstances may be. And in that philosophy, you find peace because you understand that there is no need to lament. There's no need to invent. You can be where you are right now and work in any, opportunity and create any potential you want and move forward in that strength. And, you know, I think that that perspective was highly enlightened and it's really served me well in my life. Yeah.
2: No, uh, Matthew Ferry is incredible. We had him on the podcast and it was like a therapy session and it was just like so many insights and yeah. pause. Every time he speaks, it's like, ah, oh. <laughs> that's that's so golden. He's phenomenal. Yeah. Wonderful guy. Incredible. When you were younger, what did you want to be when you were growing up? A rapper. Second question. No joke. Follow-up question. Yeah. What would be your rapper name?
0: Oh my goodness. You know, my last name is Damn G, And I mean, you know, it's <laughs> like damn G? G. I think that's what it would be. I I, I don't know what else I, I wouldn't want to invent something. I I you know, you can't really give yourself a nickname, so I'll just use what I have.
1: <laughs> damn G. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Oh man. So we asked Pace this question and uh his answer was Bethany Willis. And I'm sure you've heard the yep. Bethany stories many times, but of what course. chance encounter Changed your life forever?
0: Well, it was an old partner. And, uh, you know, I was trying to break into this conversation that he was having with his dad. They were in real estate. This is when I first journeyed into entrepreneurship. And, uh, you know, I was working in media where I was trying to convince business owners in the early 2000s this thing called the internet was not going away and they should all, you know, build a website so that they can get their business online and uh um, you know innovative i know but uh you know at the time it, sh- it surely was and it wasn't very you know well received because the yellow pages is what dominated marketing at the time nonetheless i learn about this this procedure of being able to buy and sell real estate without needing any cash without needing any credit uh with basically needing just a piece of paper contract uh and the knowledge on on where i can move this contract so this this my concept of equitable interest, where I can I can sell my rights to purchase something, which is essentially what wholesaling is. Yeah. Understanding that procedure and understanding the legalities of the value of that piece of paper, the value of the opportunity, the value of the potential. I mean, bro, that changed my life. It changed thousands of lives, and I continue to show people how to do this. And so, I'm my my goal is to change thousands and not millions of people's minds about how lucrative opportunity can be and what you can do with it yeah
2: that's awesome last question and i want to jump in if you could spend a day with someone a whole day and that person is either, is either dead or alive who would it be and why
0: i'm 100 going with tupac shakur a big reason why i've i have become a person that that wants to live in purpose is because i i was motivated by that even though you know he's a polarizing person and not everything he says i agree with but there's, there was positivity under, underlying that very emotionally charged man and the positivity and the get up and go-ness, you know, the ambition of a rider. How do you get up every day and just get after it and not be the guy who's sitting in the passenger seat, but being the shot caller in the front? How do you do that? How do you be that? How do you embody it? How do you wake up and motivate yourself? Who are your friends in life? Who are not your friends in life and who do you need to keep close and who do you not? How do you move? How do you operate? How do you see inside the hearts of people so that you can understand what their true motivations are? I learned this from a rapper. <laughs> you know, and to think that the, you know, this is why I think it's so important that we that we honor and respect art in whatever form it's in, because you never know the 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 recipient of that message, whether it be a painting, a sculpture, a piece of music, piece of writing, poetry, whatever that is, the fastest way to a person's soul to get them to move from one spot to another is through music. Yeah. And oftentimes art and music is what does it. And so, you know, that's who I'd hang out with if I had an opportunity to.
2: Damn. And watching, you know, the triple digit flip, you can see your energy and embodiment of like trying to bring everybody together in the environment in the company itself, where you guys would do those raffles of a like, guess the price that it sold for and stuff like that. You could see that you try to build that kind of sense of community in there too, which was amazing.
0: Absolutely. How
2: did that come to pass? How did you guys get onto the triple digit flip?
0: You know, interestingly enough, you know, Pace and I were Uh, We've always competed, you know, although him and I are, you know, known in life as, you know, best of friends and we hang out lots and, you know, I'm the godfather of his kids and we just love each other unconditionally. We still compete, you know, we compete in the space of real estate deals, we compete in the world of coaching, we compete in the world of influence. And so there's, you know, definitely a, a uh, a, a friendly competitiveness that exists between the two of us. We were at one point traveling around the country talking about how him and I had been collaborating and how even though we compete on so many things, the collaborative spirit of what we do together has catalyzed and allow us to do so much more. And so we were trying to explain to new wholesalers, new real estate investors, new professionals that you've got to stop looking at the people around you as an obstacle and you've got to start grasping each other's hands. And regardless of if you're going in the same direction, looking for the same opportunity, you can still eat together and maybe it's that you the lady the lady in the tramp you know two dogs sucking on the same spaghetti it's way better often than just you know eating a plate of spaghetti by yourself and so this is the spirit of what pace and i have done and this is the spirit of that of that show but what we had we, we were competing on a deal and you know i had somebody texting me you know a deal and i'd given him a number and come to find out he's he's also trying to sell the same deal to pace and pace and i are unknowingly bidding each other up on this so he sends me a text message and he's like bro i don't know what the hell this dude is doing is how much do you think i can pay for this house because i've been known and i am still known as somebody who really understands value i got folks from you know across the country the some of the biggest influencers in, in this space reach out to me to ask me what do you think this is worth i am very good at comping i spent hundreds of hours with appraisers and trying to understand the nuance of how to get to value yeah. and so pace would reach out to me and say hey what do you think this is worth and i said oh you know i think this is what it could be worth but i'm the other idiot that's uh that's bidding against you and so
1: <laughs> let's just buy we, it together we decide,
0: yeah well, that's what we did and so we, we we decided to to do the project together and um you know we, we ended up going up on our uh, uh social media pace's social media was is whole you know he started the game of of sharing his journey very early on, right? So he was an early adopter of Instagram. So, um, you know, had a, he had a pretty decent following at the time, and he just said, "Hey, we're going to be out in front of this house, going to do a walkthrough for potential fix and flip. If you have any desire to come and join us, come through." About 50 people showed up after a couple of hours, which was a pretty impressive, you know, number to come just on on a whim to come walk a house. Yeah, and you know, our photographer and videographer was there, Bobby. He shot that. In interaction of us with the folks walking through the house, just, you know, what we were doing in real life and chopped it up and put it on Pace's YouTube channel. Well, our interaction was was extremely entertaining. The, the people walking with us were entertained. You know, it was a really just great video. Well, then that ends up in the hands of some producers at A&E who then reached out to us and said, hey, you guys have an energy and a story that is uh very 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 enticing and we'd love to talk to you more and so that led to a zoom which then led to a full series order we were we didn't even shoot a pilot for our show they they saw us on zoom and they're like you two are what we want and we went right to a season season one was extremely successful that led to season two and uh we're currently in talks on a spin-off right now uh that pace and i would do together as well so it's it's very interesting we're extremely blessed to have had the opportunity to to be on TV to see that world to understand you know the the complexity and the nuance of making a television show yeah. uh but trying to be as authentic in that you know production production world as you can because you know you understand that in TV one of the craziest things for me to ever come to terms with was that when I walk through a door right or you walk you watch anybody walk through a door on television Like, they've got to walk through the door, then they got to stop everything. They got to reposition the camera. So, they got to get you walking into the door, then they got to get you walking into the room. And so, like, just things like walking through a door just can't happen organically when it's television. You've got to stop, reset, okay, go. And so, it's like, okay, well, you know, that's that's not how it would work in real life, right? Um, But if you're looking at it from it's not real life, then of course there's going to be the productionness of that. But we still keep the story as authentic to who and what's happening that we can possibly do. And and shout out to A and E for giving us the opportunity to keep it real on TV, which I, I I appreciate. Yeah,
2: it's like a 15 minute walkthrough turns into a three hour. <laughs> like, hold on, <laughs> we didn't catch you <laughs> yeah. turning the knob. Oh my
0: goodness! I think the the tagline for Hollywood should be "Hurry up and wait." <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, that's a good one. So the wholesale company, was that before the show or after the show?
0: Oh, much before. So I, I um, started this concept of of wanting to build this nationwide wholesale operation uh, after I moved to Phoenix, which was, you know, an interesting date. 12, 12, 12 was the day I moved. It's my birthday. Nice. Um, and it was 2012. And I was leaving Los Angeles where I was, you know, trying to be a comedian and make it there. And it didn't really pan out for me. And so, uh, you know, this real estate thing that, felt like a sellout to me because i was giving up on my dreams is interestingly enough i've always understood it so well this, this is a natural gift it's like you know being kobe bryant but all you want to do is play baseball yeah you know what i mean and so like i was so i, I had always rejected the gift that i had been given right because i was like I don't, that's not cool enough for me it's not fun enough for me it's not entertaining enough for me it's not creative enough for me but you know that's just because i wasn't looking at it correctly yeah you know real estate is a very entertaining very creative very very expressive way to live and create wealth and generate money and look at outside man when i i was traveling through europe this summer with my family and i was looking at some of these structures that are you know some thousands of years old some hundreds of years old and you see the 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 technology you see the the level of uh, sophistication and and care that goes into Building a structure, we don't get to see as much of that in today's world with the cookie cutter ness and the TikTok ness of what we have in in our in our you know eyes to see. But there's still builders out there who take pride in the product that they put out, and they want to put something out that's not just a re you know the the same plan over and over and over again. They want to do something that's interesting and fun and. Uh, I love that. I love that aspect of being able to create and, and express myself through how people live.
2: Yeah. I'm just going to add, because my perception is that you get excited or you go crazy when you able to provide value. There was one episode, I'll never forget it because it was just so like, it was a really good one where you jumped in on one of the flips and you're like, guys, I figured this, I figured something out. If we, I'm sorry, I'm doing my dad's accent right now. (laughs) I figured something out. If we build an extension in the back, The additional hundred square feet will get us this much. And then we'll be in a triple digit for sure. And you're like geeking everybody's like, all right, cool. Let's do that. And you're like, yeah. (laughs) So it makes sense. Like adding value gets you hyped up. Right. And having that.
0: Big time. I I know the house you're talking about is Highland uh, is a a house out in uh, Maryville neighborhood here of Phoenix, Arizona. And everybody was passing on the house. It was sitting on the MLS for months, because if you looked at it, if you if you look at it just for square foot to square foot, you couldn't renovate it and make any money because, you know, at that size, the highest sale was a specific dollar amount. But, you know, a few hundred square feet larger and all of a sudden we're in this completely different price point. Yeah. And it was that because I saw, oh, my goodness, all the houses on this street and in this entire subdivision here are two bed, one bath. Yeah. who lives that way any longer, right? right? We got larger families, we got larger people, we have stuff, you know, Americans have so much stuff. You look at the amount of storage units that get rented on a monthly basis. It's just Americans are addicted to our things, right? And so you need a three bed, two bath at bare minimum these days. And so that's where the value was. I totally geek out on things like that. It's it's what drives me, you know, it's seeing the potential, right? Like I, I saw that and I'm like, what's the highest and best use here? Oh, that's the potential gap. Now I have See, this is where I'm I'm talking about real estate agents and investors getting together and really understanding higher and better use cases for a property because yeah. a real estate agent couldn't sell that thing for months. It sat on the MLS getting stale. The seller was like, what are, What's happening? And you know, they, they were they didn't have the capacity to lower their price any further because they were they would be underwater from you know at that point. Yeah. So the market rejected that off or that property as it sat. The market rejected it at that price. But when you saw a better use case for it and you create a new use case for it, yeah. well, now you have a new potential gap and that's how we earn money and make a living. I, I think I think wholesaling has been so misunderstood in the world of real estate agents because it's the lowest barrier to entry and it's usually a starting point for many investors. So that's where they come into the whole game. And so that it lends itself to a lot of unsophisticated people learning off of YouTube not really understanding what to do shooting from the hip yeah. getting things wrong you know disappointing sellers maybe not being f- fully transparent and honest with the real estate agents and you know it's the dishonesty and it's the it's the lack of understanding and education from the people being involved that's creating the misunderstanding not the business model itself and that's what I'm trying to bridge the gap with yeah, yeah.
1: There, so that's right. for somebody who wants to get into real estate how should they decide if they want to become an agent, an investor, a wholesaler Or should some people consider you know dabbling in all three?
0: I don't think that there's a, should be a distinction at any time. yeah I think that when you when you are in real estate, you need to understand real estate and whether that means you hold the license good. Everybody in my company holds a license except for me. you know that? Oh. The only one that doesn't have a real estate license in my entire organization, all my staff do, my transaction coordinators do, they have to because we're they're negotiating contracts on my behalf. And the Department of Real Estate in Arizona requires you to hold a license if you're negotiating contracts or price on behalf of an entity you don't own. Mm-hmm. And so my people are 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 licensed. But that doesn't make them real estate agents who drive around people from showing to showing. They could do that, and they, and they do do that for friends, family, and other retail clients they find. That's their own side thing. They get to do what they want with their license. But when they're in my office and they're working on their day on leads that we provide them, we're in the business of buying and selling real estate for a profit. Yeah. And so they put the investor hat on and then they put the agent hat on when they need to put the agent hat on. And, you know, I think that we need to stop putting ourselves in these boxes of this is what I do. And this is the robot I am. And I, this is the this is my program. And I only have this program. And if I if you give me another program, I'm going to break. We're human beings. Yeah. Yeah. We have neuroplasticity. They say that we can learn new things all the way up into the time we die. So why would you want to sit and be the agent who's just got a magnet on somebody's fridge when you should be the agent that, you know, I mean, and that's the dinosaur age, right? That's like, like, what are you what are you doing for marketing, real estate agent? Well, you know, I had a headshot about a decade ago. I'm on people's fridges. I've got magnets and I've got, you know, uh, pens and pads. And, you know, I know every time somebody scribbles a note to their husband and my face is on it that used to look like me 10 years ago, they're going to remember me to sell their house one day. Yeah. No, they're not. They're going to look at the person that's scrolling up on their phone. They're going to talk to the person that has been in their face or the one that they resonate with because they know more about their story. They're going to be with the person not who looks like they did 10 years ago that I won't even recognize when you show up to my door to list my property. They're going to talk to the person who they saw 30 seconds ago on their feed.
2: Yeah, that's good. You're so right because there's – We've interacted with so many different wholesalers, but there's one guy that I will always give a deal to because when he says I'm going under contract, I know that he's going to close on it no matter what. And he's an amazing disposi- like, you know, disposition, like he knows his disposition anything. So whenever I'm dealing with any issues, if it's like a hard ass seller on the other side, they don't want to go on the market, whatever the case it is, I'm like, I have an option for you. <laughs> like, and here's the option. And it, it it just gets done. I don't have to worry about it after the fact. But then the guys who screwed up or weren't honest in the beginning or just like, yeah, yeah, i am I am the cash buyer. I am going to close on it, but then they give you right. fake reasons at the end of it. That's what gives it like a bad name. You don't want to associate it with it anymore, but it's not all like that. The idea of wholesaling Correct. is different.
0: Correct. You know, I think every investor should always look at a property with the eyes of, could this be a flip? Could this be a hold? Could this be a wholesale? And so, so for me, I disclose all of that in in one very, very clear statement on all of my contracts. Buyer is an LLC in the business of buying and selling real estate for a profit at, any point buyer may decide to fix and flip buy and hold or wholesale the contract at buyer's sole discretion during the inspection period all rights reserved this is the most clear way to disclose to everybody involved that this is what i do this is what might happen and now you know
2: yeah. right that's perfect no problems later yeah in, in terms of scaling that that's like a completely different thing so like you can do the wholesaling, you become a set at it yourself but scaling an operation of that sort is a completely different thing how would you do that
0: well, I didn't do it alone. <laughs> so the the thing is, is I um, you know I'm good at what I do, which is acquisitions. I'm an ac acqu- I'm an act guy. At the end of the day, that's my you know my my pedigree is I understand building relationships. I understand numbers. I understand where to buy. So that's my magic. My business partners: Hunter Runyon, Josiah Grimes, Rahima Atari, my sister. Um, you know, Rahima super talented at. Fixing and flipping, and so she's been able to help us with that aspect of our business and the design and construction management aspect of our rev- revenue streams. Hunter and Josiah are just two incredible human beings as well. Hunter, when we first met, wasn't even eighteen years old, but he had sold fifty houses by text message alone. Uh, and and you know he's just one of these one of those guys that doesn't really want to get on the phone with you, but is really really good at following up, really good at presenting inter- information. And and was you know creating a great a great business model just JVing wholesale deals, mm. and then Josiah, uh, who you know came in and started as CEO of Keegley, uh, an incredible individual as well because he's he's a visionary style person, right? He he looks at what's the five and ten year picture and and can really help steer a ship in terms of that timeline. Mm. You know, I'm a good brand face and that's what I ended up being, right? So in order to systematize and build, what we did is it was really about going in and looking at what does each key person in this business do day to day? And what are the tasks closest to the money? right? Because those are the things we want to scale. Those are the pieces that we need to make sure that we have our highest and best talent on. And so when we looked at the business as, okay, let's identify the key aspects that are closest to the money, and then let's systematize and build those up. Then we can build the infrastructure around them to support those because we understand the profit centers in our business. And this is what keeps you from spending money on dumb stuff. You know, yeah. like, and, and and so many people who scale spend money on dumb things, they don't spend money where the money needs to be spent, which is truly moving the needle on revenue in the company, right? And so, when we scaled, we scaled with that in mind, and, and it thankfully worked.
1: Yeah, walk me through what's it look like if I wanted to start a Key Glee franchise in our market, and well, what do I get from that, that relationship?
0: Yeah, you'd want to first. Uh, you know, reach out to our team and see if the market's available. So, you know, because there's there's a finite number of markets and franchises that we are able to sell. So, you know, that would be the first key. Find out if it's available. Second, you would come in for a discovery day, meaning you'd either, you know, join us virtually over Zoom or you'd fly in and you'd see the operation. You would see the the nuts and bolts of, of what we do every day. Um, you would look at the Different departments like our intake department, which is the largest department that we have at Lee. And that's the the department in charge of building our buyers lists. That's the one part of what we do better than anyone else, in my opinion, is have access to and create these relationships with buyers that are actually pulling the trigger, that are actually moving deals and doing business in your market. And so you would see that. You would then see what our acquisitions people do on a day to day basis. And you would understand and interview some folks on that department. You would look at the dispositions department and say, okay, what are these folks doing on a day-to-day basis? And how are they compensated? And what's their you know workflow look like? And then you'd look at the administrative and the technology side of the business say what what levels of support are we receiving technologically from this company and how is our crm managed and how is our data tracked and how do we make sure that we're not leaving leads behind or that we're not nurturing opportunities that could be lucrative in the future because we don't know how to talk to them or or what technology to use to communicate and so you'd really get a bird's eye and uh, you know and then and then a front door view of like okay this is what it all looks like so after that, there's typically, uh, you know, a cooling off period from when you get the franchise disclosure document, which is, you know, really thoroughly auditing our financials and all of the things that we provide as the, you know, franchisor. So again, I want to be clear. I can't just run down that list with you right now on a, you know, sure. a quick podcast because the franchise disclosure document is quite thorough. But, um, you know, part of what you receive is, you know, absolute support from us. You also get buyer leads, you get seller leads, you get the infrastructure, you get the brand. You know, I'm very well known around the country uh, for this business. And so there's a lot of goodwill that just comes naturally from the lead source and the funnel source of, of my my work in the world, right? And so that becomes a very valuable and, and, and key point to the business as well. So there's so many uh, really interesting and and really impressive aspects of what we provide our franchisees. Uh, I th- I think it's one of the most incredible business models. You know, for instance, I I have a I have a franchisee right now that he was the medic on our TV show. Wow! And you know, he just he literally his job was to put Q-tips up our noses and test us daily for for <laughs> COVID because uh, because he was the COVID compliance officer, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Um, you know, he would, but he saw what was going on in the company. He's like, dude, this is incredible. Like, what are you guys doing here? And how much does that guy make a month? What? You know? And then he's like thinking about his life and he's like, what am I doing here? You know, then, then he, he gets his wife pregnant. While they're on the show, right? And he's just like, dude, I'm so stressed out. We're, you know, Claudia's going to have a baby and, you know, I need to make more money. I, I, I'm interested. You know, what what could I do? I think I really want to take a look at, you know, taking a stab at this franchise thing. And so, you know, ultimately he ends up becoming one. He's just closed on his third unit. Right. And so you think about that. Like, what's what's a, what's an indicator of a successful franchise? That they buy more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That they want more units. They want more territories because they're doing really well. And so for me, in terms of purpose in life, that's one of the most incredible things that I can say I have an, an opportunity to participate in. And that's the success of other
2: people. Yeah. No, I love that. That's awesome. The when you're looking at people doing this and you you have astro flipping right now. So that's, is that, can you explain what that is? Of course. So,
0: you know, Keegley is the, is our brand. It's our, it's, the, it's like If you were to buy a franchise, it's like saying to somebody, Hey, I want to buy this house, build me this house, right? And so we build you the house. Well, astro flipping is more along the lines of, Hey, you want to be a builder? We'll show you. Here's the blueprint. Here's what you need the materials. You know, Jamil will be coaching you through so that you'll tell you where to where to put what, how to frame it, how to, you know, put up the drywall, how to rough in the plumbing, how to rough in the electrical, all this stuff, right? So so I I I look at it as, you know, astro flipping is the blueprint, Keegley is the house.
2: And it's almost amazing because it goes hand in hand, because as the community grows, one helps the other almost, right?
0: Big time. The franchises are collaborating very heavily with the students and they do deals back and forth. And then ultimately what happens is the students, they become so ingrained and they become so accustomed to the love and the support that they get from Keeg Lee that they end up having eyes to wanting to become a franchise themselves. And that's happened multiple times. I've got, I've got a number of franchises that are former Astro flipping students. And so, yeah. uh, it's such a nice progression to see how that can evolve and grow. And, you know, it becomes even for our employees, you know, one of the things that a lot of wholesale operations and entrepreneurial paths suffer from is employees coming in, learning the secret sauce and then going out and starting their own, uh, you know, operation. And it happens all the time. Yeah. I did it.
2: Yeah. Right. You know,
0: I I did it to the I did it to people that I that I came in and, and learned from in the beginning, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. It's it's human nature to want to grow and expand, and if we become oppressors of that, then we are resented. But if we become molders of that and and champions of that, and we help provide people the solution and opportunities to do that, you become their partners and you become their you know collaborators and people that they adore and love for life, and so one of the things that we actually we actually provide our staff is the path to entrepreneurship come learn cut your teeth understand the business see the see the places where you excel and where you find resonance and then come in and do really well so that you can buy a franchise and then become our business partner yeah. and then then we can earn and work with each other for you know as long as as, as this can go so that's one of the things that's also really fun because we've had a number of employees become franchises and that's that's a really, really cool thing. Yeah,
2: Giving the opportunity for them to become entrepreneurs inside of this bigger world without any of the risk is pretty awesome too. If you had to walk us through some of the things or some of, because as you're talking, I'm like, damn, why did I ever get into real estate sales? I should have done <laughs> wholesaling to begin with because I would have the luxury of options
1: at that point in time. Like, do I want to keep it? Do I want to flip it? Do I want to wholesale it? Well, I always try to preface this when I'm talking to people because I have the same mentality. I mean, we grew up in the Mike Ferry program. Same as like, Monique Walker. Shout out to Monique. Monique Walker. Yep. I, I know she had connected oh, us. Oh, love her. Yeah. Yep. And we're still you know, in in, in coaching. We grew up in this world of, of prospecting. You have to get out and hunt yeah. for business. So uh, I would say over the last year, it's been like, I've spent so much time hunting for so many other people, other investors. I mean, we're all hunters, right? Like even if you're just working with a buyer these days, you're hunting for a property for them. But I mean, we grew right. up spending the first four hours of every single day, Eight o'clock to twelve o'clock on the phone, headset,
0: cancelled and and expired. Cancelled and expired. Yep. Yep. And
1: you know, like I was watching a reel you put up recently about tracking your numbers, and and you know, at twelve o'clock, it was like you felt like shit if you didn't make fifty contacts. So anyway, I was I was just saying that you know I've had the epiphany over the last year year two that uh, I should be hunting for my own deals. But I think the problem with a lot of real estate agents is they say, well, I don't have enough money or I don't have enough cash stored away. To buy a property to do a fix and flip, so that's why I think it's so great that guys like you and Pace are putting out so much content about you know buying property without cash or without credit.
0: Yeah, yeah, and really, it's just it's squatting up, right? Bringing private money lenders to the table. We show you how to do that. You know, you want to fix and flip. We'll provide you and an open doors to hard money relationships. And if you don't have, you know, the down payment, there's private money lenders that'll come in and do give you the down payment, and then this hard money lender will give you eighty five percent plus. You know, full rehab, and, and I lend myself as well. So I do transactional funding, and if I've got somebody who's like, hey, I got an A to B, and I've got a, I got some, I've got a, you know, purchase and sell contract. I got this house under contract, and I have a buyer for it, but I unfortunately can't assign it. Or I can't double close it because of a state regulation, or because of a you know title company situation, and so we'll come in with transactional funding, close your A B, and then your B C can close it a couple of days later, and so you know there's so many ways you don't need money, yeah, right. You can use transactional funding. There's a, there's a, so many legal and very very attractive ways to get in and do this, but you know again at the same time it's a uh, um, you know the the key here is knowing that you can change hats. Yes. You know, I, I think I think the problem is is we put on a hat and then we're like, this is my character. Yeah. You know, and 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 okay. I mean if you're if you're okay with being, you know, one character, I guess that's fine. But wouldn't it be so much cooler if you could be five?
1: Yeah. 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 So right. I think people just have the fear of of leaving. You know, like we were taught like again in the MFO program to hunt for the listings, hunt for the listings. And the fear of leaving that that business to try to do something else is, is tough, but you're still hunting Yeah, no but, matter how you dice it.
2: So yesterday, I'll give you an example. Um, that wholesaler I was telling you about, he, he hits me up at like 10 o'clock at night. And I, mind you, Jamil, my bedtime is like 8.39. <laughs> if I don't sleep, I, I'm moody. And he hits me up, he's like, hey, my buddy wants to hang out. He gets his buddy on the phone and I'm a nerd. I'm looking up his number, seeing what he owns like instantly as I'm on there. And then uh, the guy is 27 years old. He has $50 million worth of assets underneath him that he purchased in the last three years, 27. And right now he was like, they were yelling at each other. They were just like, oh, you're poor. All you do is you do this, that, and the other with like these little ghetto houses. And he's like, oh, well, you're a slumlord. All you do is buy these big buildings and not do anything with them. And then they're just going back and forth. And I'm like, he's 27 years old. This is insane. And then he was, when I ended up going out because I was like, I want proximity to this guy. He didn't buy any of it with his own money. And he just amassed this massive portfolio. And I was like, "Damn, that's it's about what you know and what you're educating yourself on." And in regard to that topic, you have recently done a collaboration with Bigger Pockets. Correct. Can you share a little bit about that?
0: You know, it, a, an interesting situation there. I um, uh, became the subject matter expert for Bigger Pockets, and uh, I've currently parted ways with Bigger Pockets. Actually, mm-hmm. we um, uh, amicably parted in in a disagreement over some of the support that I provide to the community. And so one of the things that I provide my community is, a- is access to my funds, access to leverage me as their lender. Uh, and so they will you know, reach out and get a proof of funds. Uh, you know, I, back the, I will back their deal if we need to close the A to B so that a, a B to C can close. Um, 100% need to be able to provide that value to my community and to the students. Yeah. And uh, I, they took issue with that. And so unfortunately, that's just one of the things that I do for the little guy. You know, I, I I believe in that, I believe in being able to ha- be helpful to help people get their first transactions done. And um, unfortunately that's just not what they uh, want around in their world. And so that's, it's totally cool. We, we we go our separate ways, but Bigger Pockets is a phenomenal community. They're, you know, I really enjoy my time with being a part of the bigger pocket sphere. But I also know that I am my own brand and, you know, part of what I do so well is not employee uh, style content, sure. right? I, I don't want to really be under the, um, you know, I, I have to think about what this corporation is going to think about the things that I'm going to say value. or how I'm going to operate or what I'm going to do. And yeah. I, I have to stay true to who I am and what I, and that is always being very, very helpful to the wholesale community, providing as many resources as I possibly can, providing liquidity to new, wholesale, new wholesalers so that they can build and create opportunities for families as well. So that's just where we are in that in that world. But you know, shout out to BP. Love them. Love you know so many of the individuals I got to work with there. So a really great part of my journey. Uh, but I'm moving on to other things.
2: Yeah, it, I respect the hell out of that because if you're since you are value driven, wanting to be able to give that value without any conflict, it makes sense, right? Because. When I was looking for like a commercial lender recently, I was like Googling where to go. And I was like, I just need one person to give me like, who's the one that they would use? Not like a bunch of people who probably pay for that ad space to get there. I'm like, I just need a reliable source, you know? Yeah. Right. So that's super, super important. What other benefits does your community get from you?
0: i'm really hands-on in the community right so on you know tuesday nights i do a coaching call that can last six six hours or longer sometimes i answer the questions it's not me it's not it's not a coach it's me yeah i'm the one who's there you know talking and working through situations with my students and helping them understand value comp properties look at you know what's the highest and best use how much profit should you put on this assignment you know what's the purchase price what you should be what should you be buying this for you know and and these are things that people really need help with on a day-to-day basis right they're they're like in order for them to do good business they have to understand this at a high level and so they basically get to ask me the question so that they've got the answer on what would jamil do in this circumstance and it really propels them and helps them but in addition to that the community itself they do so many deals with each other dude it is not even like i am shocked at the millions of dollars that of that is reported There's so much profits that are being made that are unreported because people just, they feel like they are bragging if they share, you know? And so there's that, there's still those folks that stay silent about what they're doing. But I know because they message me silently or, you know, um, privately saying, hey, we've done really well and I just made 60 grand this month. Thank you for changing my life, you know? And so this is a part of what they get is the opportunity to connect with the community and do deals with each other. You know, there's so much just, you know interaction and think of this way right even if you know everything about wholesale you think i, I don't need a coach i understand this why wouldn't you want to be a part of the community just to get access to the deals yeah. yeah right there's so many deals in there you know and 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 every single day every single day i buy deals you know other fix and flippers join and buy deals agents buy, come in so that they can provide deals to their to their buyers like there's so much activity. there's just so much opportunity within the community and and we really love to work with others in the community. It's become this interesting, you know phenomenon of 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 people just trading deals back and forth between each other and 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 you know, lo and behold, we we create this mass of activity and opportunity and and it's just getting bigger and bigger every single day. yeah,
2: yeah it's incredible in my mind because i'm uh, I'm obsessed with John D. Rockefeller. And when he when they were bringing up his monopoly, they asked him, you know, what do you have to say for yourself? He's like, well, I came into a chaos, a chaotic market, and I brought order to the marketplace. Sure, and that's essentially what you're doing with the community, like that, right? You're bringing order to it where it's operating under one standard, but you're bringing people together, which is insane.
0: Yeah, and and the other piece is is that you know the mindset of what we we have a, a you know a, a community hive mind, and it's very much driven in abundance. Right. And so, you know, I, I really, really stress that I really, I really make sure that people understand that the energy of our community is abundant. And so we don't look at any situation that can't be a win-win-win. You know, I, I think that when you have that mentality and that, and that value, uh, that, you know, that, that framework of, of what, what are your values as a, as a company and as an organization or as a culture, yeah. and when providing true value to people like really helping people really finding solutions regardless of profit you'll eventually come into as much profit as as you're due right uh, and 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 that's how much and you're due what you provide the marketplace and so that's the that's the way that i show folks how to become wealthy is by becoming more valuable
1: yeah right you get paid in direct correlation to the value you bring yeah that's it. That's golden. But right before we started today, John comes in
2: because we've been more exposed to people like yourself over the last couple of years. And he was just like, when this one wholesale closes, you gonna see a different side of me. So he's getting a taste of the drug now. So he's like, I can't wait.
1: I got a big one in the pipeline and I'm knocking wood for it. But, uh, yeah, it'll be a game changer just because of proof, proof of concept. I've done a few, you know, 20,000, 30,000 deals, but, uh, this is a, a triple digit. And, you know, and, and I was really I, just I had out a deal there like that. Yeah.
0: I had a deal like that with Monique where we, you know, she had a, she had a listing sitting on the MLS for six months, 6,000 square foot, two bed, two bath mansion. Who wants that?
2: No. Yeah.
0: Right. No, who's going to buy that? Two bedrooms, two two bathrooms, 6,000 square feet, like Italian marble, but not like nice marble, like just like really gaudy. Right. Yeah. And uh, so this guy was having a hard time selling this house and she just keeps having to lower the price. And you know, eventually she calls me up and she's like, I don't know, Jay, is there something that you can do for me on this house? Like I, I nobody wants it. And so, you know, I'm looking at it. I said, leave it with me for the afternoon. And I, and I, and I, and I'm looking and looking and looking and looking and looking and looking. And I'm like, wait, it's not an acre. Mm. And then I, I, I look all around it and I'm like, oh, look at all these little houses that they've just, they built on these 6,500, 7,000 square foot lots. And ding. It came to me. Oh, this is R16. That means I can get six lots out of this acre. Wow. Well, bulldoze the mansion. Who who thinks about bulldozing a mansion? Right. No. A wholesaler who understands potential. <laughs> yeah. So then I go back to her and I say, Look, I have an idea. I'm gonna package this and I'm gonna sell it to a boutique builder, somebody that I know is building, you know, uh individual houses in the neighborhood, and we're gonna do this that way. So this is what I need you to do. I'm going to contract it at your current MLS list price. I'm not going to ask for anything less. I'm going to do it right at what you guys have already agreed to sell at. And so, but underst- let your seller know what I'm going to be doing here, right? Because I'm, I don't want them to think I'm, I'm coming in to just buy this thing. I don't want to live here, yeah, right. And, and also let them know that we're going to bulldoze this sucker if this thing happens. Because if there's an, like an emotional situation or any attachment there, I don't want their, I don't want, I don't want to think about like, you know, what the other side of that looks like. She says, of, of course, I'm gonna to talk to him. So she does, he's like, yeah, do whatever you need to do, I just want out. So we contract it and I then go around looking for the builder and I I knew some and, and eventually I do find the one and he pays a million for it. We, we had it under contract at 900. Nice. So it was a $100,000 assignment fee on a property that just couldn't be sold to the open market.
1: Because everybody else was looking at it as a two bedroom mansion. Not the highest in best use. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested though, most people would say jamil why would you ever tell the seller what you were planning to do weren't you worried that he would just go ahead and do it without you
0: well they don't that's the thing right they don't have access to my network they don't have access to the skills and you know the different things that i would need to put together in order to to show that this is what the 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 play is yeah right and so i don't again it's the it's the mindset of abundance right look seller if you want to do that do it peace you're welcome for the idea. I'm out. But most people don't, right? It's just like the same mentality of like, you know what CarMax is going to do with your car. Why don't you do it? Why don't you vacuum it? Why don't you put You're it right. on Craigslist? It's not, it's not rocket science how they sell these houses. It's Craigslist, bro. Facebook yeah. Marketplace. That's where, yeah. that's where CarMax advertises. I'm telling you. I see, it, I see it all the time. So if that's where they're doing it, and then they're just waxing and, 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 and cleaning and then, and then Craigslisting, And they're making six, seven thousand dollars on your vehicle. Why don't you?
2: Yeah, that's golden, man. Yeah, I love that story. How does someone get associated or involved with the astro flipping community?
0: Uh, They would just reach out. You know, I've got um, links on my IGs and whatnot. But you, you can go to goastroflipping.com, and um, sorry, go.astroflipping.com, and check it out. You've probably seen my ads. Um, you know, somewhere on your feed, if you're a real estate professional, I'm, you know, I, I, I've probably targeted you some way, somehow, you know, not, not, not in a way that, uh, you know, nothing other than wanting to create more opportunities and more relationships with people. So I know that we're the largest, most successful community of wholesalers that exists right now. I think that even if you're a part of another mentorship or you're part of another organization, it's not it's like what I what I really try to have people understand is that what you need as a wholesaler is access to more opportunity, access to more deals, access to more buyers. And when you can plug into these networks and even with your already existing business and then start using this for either distribution or for more acquisitions, the price of admission is a joke.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's right. true. We always were taught it's never about the money. It's always about the deal in front of you. And if you don't have an abundance of options, then you can't really do anything about it. Awesome, which is awesome. Jamil, this has been incredible. Thank What's you one so thing much. that you'd want to leave the audience with?
0: I think, you know, one of the things that I um, really firmly believe in is that you can truly become and do whatever your imagination will allow you to conceive for yourself. And one of the things that I learned that, you know, maybe I needed to do sooner was, was, was think bigger. I I got the concept of big think from Grant Cardone, masterminding with him, you know, seeing that in two thousand and eight, him and I both went to negative, right? And it was because the market had had you know done what it's it done and 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 I was over leveraged and I and I lost. And he was in the same situation, over leveraged and, and was losing. Yet on the other side of that, as the market has rebuilt, and and you know I had this goal in my mind to restore what I had lost prior to the crash, right? And so, you know, twelve million dollars was the number in my mind. That's where I was focused. That was my target. That was what I was going to hit. Well, I hit it, right? And it took time to hit it, but I hit it. Well, Grant didn't come out and say, um, you know, twelve million is the my- number in his mind. He comes out with a billion. So in his brain his target is a billion dollars. Now we both started at negative in 2008. Sure I made my 12 million bucks, but dude made a billion. Yeah. Right? And so I think, man, oh man, you know, like that's the power of big think. That's the power of of larger targets and and giving yourself the 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 confidence to dream to to say that, you know, I I'm, I'm a creator in this world. I can touch whatever I want as long as I can put it in my head, I can actually hold it. Yeah. So it's that it's that capacity to really, really give ourselves the freedom to, to be creators in this world. I think that if everybody could get to that place, then we would have fewer folks living in poverty. We'd have a uh, you know, smaller number of, of individuals living in survival mode and you know survival mode makes people do survival things. Yeah. And I think a lot of the pain that we see in today's society, with respect to you know politics and um, you know uh, finances and 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 the gap between you know the haves and the have-nots, like that is um, essentially the the gap between people who live in survival and people who are thriving. And I want to see more and more people bridge that gap i i think that living in survival is a really hard place and i have forgiveness for any transgression that's ever happened to me and for any transgression i've ever made on anybody when i was in survival as well because i think it makes us it taps into that lizard quality of us where we're just trying to survive you know and when outside you know we used to have this idea that there's a Tiger outside or a lion outside that's gonna you know gobble us up. So we got to be in fight or flight. Well, th- there's no wild animals out there to eat us anymore. It's our mortgage.
2: Yeah,
0: it's in- it's interest rates. It's it's our boss. It's our glass ceilings. It's you know the fact that I was a minority. grew you know that grew up in a impoverished area. Whatever the socioeconomic situation you find yourself in, if it w- if it created a survival characteristic or a survival personality in you, you do dumb stuff yeah, and that's just what happens, right? But if you can elevate out of that place of survival, you can, you can live in this world where even when bad things happen, you see the benefit in them. And I yeah. think it's a beautiful place to live.
2: I love that. There was a, um, I'm sorry if I'm going off on the tangent, but the, y- y- what you just said, reminds me of so much what Matthew's favorite quote was, where it's like, when one believes and commits, providence moves too. Mm. And it's like you almost have to give yourself permission to dream big because it's like oh a billion dollars, who, who, me a million dollars, it's like a billion dollars like who's gonna like, think like I don't deserve that? So it's like I think it's the, like you said right, you have to allow yourself to believe in dream big, give yourself the permission to do so. Any tips on that for the listener?
0: Meditation, it changed my life, man. I, you know, seven years ago I was an alcoholic addicted to pain pills. It's what it, it's the truth. Yeah, and and, and you know, I decided one day to 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 meditate and so I, I i started meditating with a hangover you know listening to headspace that app you know and and yeah. just day by day committing one meditation at a time started at five minutes and today i can sit and you know and 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 create in my mind for 30 minutes an hour long and and i create worlds in my mind i create i create worlds in there brother with rich detail and mm. then guess what i get to do build it
2: i love that yeah do you do any specific, is it like TM transcendental or is it just a different form of meditation that you do?
0: TM is phenomenal. I think that any meditation is good. I don't think one is better than the other. I think if you do it, it's wonderful. Mindfulness is beautiful. Uh, TM is beautiful. Um, you know, I am just really just affirming who you are and trying to understand who you're not. Yeah. Um, and and then you know, for me though, I've been really just doing more silence Lately, but I'm a huge fan of Joe Dispenza, huge fan of Joe Dispenza. I I mean, you know, I, I'm putting it out there one day that I'll have an opportunity to work with him at a closer, closer level because his meditations, I mean, if you have the opportunity to go to one of his events or if you can download, you know, some of his stuff from his website or, or YouTube, I have no affiliation there. I have nothing to gain from any of this. The, the recommendation is just I think that is a powerful guy doing incredible things in the world and I and god bless him because yeah. that there that, that there is some there is something very magical about what that man puts out.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. This is the second time someone's recommended Joe Dispenza. Yeah. They they put him on the same pedestal as Tony Robbins. So I
0: mean I, honestly I love Tony Robbins but I've never had a profound experience when you know doing any of the exercises that I learned from Tony Robbins but I can tell you that I've touched things and dimensions that I didn't know existed working with Joe.
1: Wow. Oh, all right. Awesome. Carol's
2: going to sign up tonight. That's, that's the things I do. <laughs> well, the, the best investment is self, yeah. investing in yourself no matter what.
0: Well, I'd um, love to hear from you after you experience one of those. Go to a week-long retreat, bro. Go yeah. to a week-long retreat and it, you meditate like it's your job. Like you go for – and you're meditating between 40 and 50 hours in one week. Wow. You, you completely disconnect from the entire world. And you're in this other world of like, you're in a monastery, essentially, he calls it the monastery, even though you're in like the Gaylord Hotel in Nashville, you know, (laughs) Um, but it's like, it's like this little closed loop. And, you know, you, you kind of, you're, you're, you're eating lighter, you're sleeping less, you're, you know, you're in meditation three or four times a day. And what happens at the end of a week? Ooh, I was like. I was buzzing, you know, I, I, I I never felt the way that I had felt in, you know, one week time. It's like, it's like a detox for your soul. I would highly recommend it to anybody. I am going to
2: do it for sure. I did something called BioCybernaut. Have you heard of it before? No. So they actually have it in Sedona, Arizona. So I had to fly into Phoenix, drive almost like two hours and change. They put me in a little cave for seven days. And then in that cave, they had like these electrons all over your head and it's connected to different parts of your brain, your frontals, temporals, semi-coherence, occipitals, whatever. And each part of your brain had a different musical uh, tone and they had mics all around you in this little purple colored cave. And every time you'd sit there, you'd meditate for two minutes. And then after that, it would beep up and it would tell you the scores you got for your alpha brainwaves. By day seven, I was tripping. And I literally, as if I was like hallucinating and I was seeing a warrior version of myself. At that time, my grandma told me I was half Greek. and I believed her. I found out from a DNA test, I'm hundred percent Egyptian, but the warrior self of me looked half Greek. It was built with a six pack and an ancient Egyptian with gold pants on the bottom. I was like, that's me. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pretty solid. And it was a profound experience. I was like, that's dope. But it was like you're What's meditating.
0: again? I gotta, I gotta go now. It's like that's like you know two hours for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, on my, I'm on my way. You guys, I'm, I'm, I'm checking into a cave next week. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's BioCybernet. I uh, literally saw it in a Tony Robbins event in UPW. He was like, if you want to level up, sign up for UP uh, for BioCybernet. The guy's name is Robert something, or uh, I'm forgetting the name completely. But this is 2017. It was an extremely profound moment and. I went in there thinking it would help for business development and it was just like, it was all about the five equities of your life, like family life, spiritual life, mental life. And I was like, oh, wow. That's, they're all interconnected at that point. When oh, I ev- everything
0: it. is, so, everything you have in your life is a reflection of what's happening inside you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's so true. That's why it's like uh the balance part of it is hard when you want so much more, but then you're not getting it with the instant gratification. So then you start losing sight of the other equities. Like there's always a, there's always a
0: give and take. Right. There's, there's like, you get, you, you have options of what guilt you have. Do, am I, do I feel guilty for, um, you know, not providing the life and, and the resources to my family that, that they deserve by not working hard enough? Do I feel guilty because I work so much that I don't get to spend as much time with my family as they deserve? Um do I feel guilty that I'm spending so much time with my work and my family that I don't give myself the time that I I deserve? Yeah. You know there's there's always an opportunity to feel guilt, right? But on the other side of that, there everything is sacrifice, you know, and I think that we we have to start becoming comfortable understanding that there is sacrifice and that you don't get into anything without a price of admission. Yeah. And nothing that's worth it at least, right? I, I look, you you go to a free exhibition. You, if, you, if you interview everybody walking out of a free exhibition, the, the general consensus is going to be, yeah. Ah, it's yeah. Okay. Ah. yeah. But you, you charge them 10 bucks to get in there and and all of a sudden now people see a completely separate value. I bet you if you put an experiment together where you did one day free, one day 10 bucks and you got the general satisfaction of the ones who came out after the free session versus the ones who came how they felt coming out after spending 10 bucks, you're going to have a completely polarized response. They're either people who paid are either going to love it or hate it because they had skin in the game and right. the ones who had nothing to pay are going to be like, eh, yeah.
2: <laughs> I'd rather
0: be loved or hated than, Meh.
2: Yeah. You're 100% right. We did an Eventbrite uh, thing for an in-person meeting and it was like a 50% show up rate. We were like, why would people do that? And they're like, well, yeah, you statistically, if you increase the price point, even if it's like $5, $10, the, the, the people will show up significantly more in terms of because uh, they make a commitment to do something or to pay something. So that's right. Total. It's uh, your wealth of knowledge, man. I feel like there's a lot deeper then than meets the eye, which I would love, uh, you know, we'll, I think we'll
1: do we would, a follow-up episode in the future. That would be amazing. Happy
0: to you guys. Listen, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you both. And, you know, I wish everyone in your audience uh, a tremendous amount of success. And, you know, I, I'd i love to hear from people. But if this, is the, if this is the only thing that I hear from you, or that you hear from me about, uh, you know, know this, know that inside you is this power is this divine gift that you only have, no one else has it. And you find it and you tap it and then you expand on that thing. You will be everything you want in life. And so I wish that for everybody listening to this. God bless you guys.
2: Much love. That's awesome. I appreciate you, man. Thank you.